Welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I'm Ben Duncan, and on this podcast, I will be interviewing prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohana. In today's episode, I am joined by Eugene Naborak. Eugene is a Salesforce Marketing Cloud Architect Manager for a large consulting firm in Australia. And through the episode, we heard more about how he found his way into the Marketing Cloud ecosystem, the different roles he's played over the years, and also look at the difference between working client-side and working for a consulting business. Eugene shares some insight around the different skills that are important for delivering a Salesforce Marketing Cloud project, some of his tips for success or red flags that he sees when projects go wrong. And then we look also at some of the differences between the different types of Salesforce Marketing Cloud consulting businesses and agencies. Eugene shares why the Salesforce Marketing Cloud market has been so busy over the last year or so, and we hear more about what keeps him really interested in the Salesforce marketing world and the platform and products. So yeah, really interesting episode, really insightful conversation with Eugene, and I hope you enjoy the episode. If you do, please do subscribe for future episodes that are coming through. Eugene, thank you for joining us. Great to have you as a guest. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for having me, Ben. Really excited. My pleasure. My pleasure. So we're delving into the world of marketing cloud today, and you've been in this world for a while and, you know, experience and stories from both sides of the table, I guess. You've been a consultant, you are a consultant, and you've also been kind of a product owner, uh, I guess the person in charge of marketing cloud within a big brand. So interested in hearing your story. Awesome. So uh, yeah, when we talk about marketing cloud, so I've been in the Salesforce marketing cloud space for about seven plus years. So my first experience was I joined a, a small company. It was about 14 people and they used to be called JBA. So James Bennett and Associate. And when I first joined them, I'd heard of Salesforce. I'd never heard of Marketing Cloud my whole life. So uh, I ended up joining them as a senior project manager. So that was a really cool experience because my background had always been bespoke applications. So SQL.net, websites, mobile development. So it was a whole brand new world coming into there. And uh, it, was, it was really awesome. So because it was such a small company, you were forced to wear multiple hats. So not only were you project managing, you were doing account management. You're also being able to learn a lot about strategy and also the technical components of, of your projects as well. So I ended up starting as a senior project manager. Then I became a senior producer, which is pretty much the agency hybrid model of an account manager, a project manager, a strategist, and ended up doing more architecture as well, and then ended up taking over as the head of delivery. So pretty much was in charge of all the delivery across the whole company. And since I joined to where it is now, it it got bought out by a company called Ive Group, and then it ended up merging with Collido. Then it ended up changing to Ive as well. So that was uh, quite interesting. We went from about 14 people, I think, up to about 80 people across multiple locations, being Melbourne, Sydney, and Singapore. So that was really cool. And one of the experiences as head of delivery that I got to do was to revamp all our processes and procedures. So I got to work with all the heads off from campaign management lead to your development lead to your account director leads as well and revamp all our processes to make sure we had the most redefined processes and procedures and documentation about how we did all our projects. But um, 
Yeah, it was re- it was a really awesome experience. I think I got to do about 20 plus implementations while I was there. So I got to work with some amazing clients. One of them was QSRH. So they're the company that owned Red Rooster and Aporto. So during in 2017, we actually won the Salesforce Innovation Award for some of the work we'd done with them. So it was quite amazing. And what we did was we implemented Marketing Cloud with Beacon Technology. So when customers went next to a Red Rooster store or an Aporto store, they used to get messages as well. And then what they did was a really cool thing is when you got next to one of the competitors, you would get a message offering you kind of like a discount to entice you to come back in to come into that store. So uh, it was quite awesome. Yeah, it was, it was a really, really awesome idea. It's something that the team came up with and we got to work on. So it was amazing. It was a lot of bespoke kind of work that we did as well. So yeah, it was, it was a really cool experience. So you must know all of the tricks of the trade around like, you know, when you speak about something and then all of a sudden you get an advert pop up on your phone and it's about all that stuff. Like everyone thinks their phone is being listened to. But I mean, I, I didn't know companies actually had that beacon technology where they could see where you are and when you come near a store, you get an advert and things like that. Like, I guess I should know that. I should know that that stuff happens. But I guess I, I just presumed uh, it was always just by chance. No, so that part, when you come next to a store, that's awesome and you set it up manually. But I also believe what you believe, that our phones are listening. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I talk about something and then it shows up on my phone and I'm like, why is this on my phone? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. But the Beacon stuff, is that still being used heavily? Like is, you, you mentioned that was a few years ago, but has that really advanced now or is that something that there's more restrictions on that now? I don't think there's any restrictions on it because there's. I think what happens is with the law in Australia and probably across the world is quite behind when it comes to technology. So there's probably not any specific rules around that at the moment because the law still hasn't caught up. So in theory, if you are, for example, McDonald's, you can probably go anytime someone goes next to a KFC store and you can do them manually, mark all the stores. And as soon as someone comes next to me, you can go, hey, come to Macca's, we'll give you a free cheeseburger if, with your next purchase. So it's, it, it is quite amazing how you can do that and also leverage Salesforce Marketing Cloud to be able to do that kind of stuff. So you would integrate it with Marketing Cloud and your mobile application, and then you would get a push message that gets sent to your mobile phone. And yeah, wow. we, we all love free stuff, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you can't <laughs> turn it down. Yeah. So just in terms of your background, you, you mentioned like .NET, mobile apps, or all of that kind of technologies and working in a more of a I guess, technology-focused role. So were you ever a developer? Were you ever like hands-on or had you always been a project manager? Yeah, so during university, I actually studied a double degree. So I did e-commerce and multimedia, but I hated multimedia. So I ended up doing psychology and ended up finishing with an e-commerce and psychology degree. And so with e-commerce, it was all development. So we did .NET development, Java, PHP, SQL, all that. But I'd never actually did development as part of my role. I think I kind of got quite lucky because as soon as I finished university, I went into IT support. So I started working for the actual university. So, you know, looking after students, looking after teachers and cleaning up their computers and stuff like that. And then I, I got to move into a project manager, business analyst role. So I could read the code, but I never actually got hands on. And what I found was when I started working for JBA, because We had a lot of projects, a lot of work. I really wanted to know what I'm working with because it was a new system, new languages that we were using. So I really wanted to understand that. So I spent a lot of time learning how Marketing Cloud works from 
how you do your setups, how you set up your users, your SAPs, those kind of things, to how you build email modules, templates, how you build automations and journeys and kind of got really technical on it where I got to that point where when I was dealing with my clients when I was with that company, I didn't really need a technical architect. I could kind of do a lot of the architecture work myself and then get it validated if I had any questions with the team. So, and kind of just really fell in love with it. I think as a platform, it's really awesome. It's very powerful and the things you can do with it can be really game changing as long as you do things the right way. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so like I said before, you've got quite a unique background in that you have done multiple kind of roles across consulting and you've also then gone into a customer role and now you're back in consulting. So what have you found to be the the main differences between working on the two sides of the fence in consulting and, and working for a customer? Yeah, sure. So we'll go with consulting first. So with consulting, you're brought in to do a service. So you're brought in to help stand up the platform and kind of set up the customer for success. But then a lot of the time, the customers have their own people inside. So what they'll do is, as part of the implementation, you will upskill their team, and then you kind of fly off into the ether. What I did love with TTI when I joined them, they were using the whole Salesforce stack. So they have core, they've got marketing cloud, communities, analytics, everything. So for someone who's a, a Salesforce fan, like it was awesome because you're coming in, you get to use all the different technologies. And with their marketing cloud, as soon as I came in, I started doing an audit on that. And as part of that audit, what we thought the best thing to do is, is do a rebuild. So as soon as I kind of came in, started to reverse architect everything that we've done, and then to re-architect that and make a brand new instance, and also improve on a lot of the things that we had. So improving on how our data gets fed into marketing cloud, how we're using that data, but also a lot of our automations and a lot of our journeys, making sure that we had that single customer view available and it was the data was refreshed within an hour. So all our stakeholders, they would have the cleanest and freshest data every hour to be able to use. And then also making life very easy for them where they could hire marketing graduates or they could hire senior marketing managers and that person wouldn't need to be technical. They would just be able, just need to be taught on how to use Marketing Cloud, and it would be very easy because they'd be able to do filters and things like that. And I wrote a lot of how-to guides as well on how to do a lot of that stuff. So that was really awesome. But what I found is the biggest difference is time. When you're a consultant and you come in, everything's very time sensitive. You need to do things ASAP. They want everything yesterday. Also, there's a lot less room for doing your analysis and also your requirements gathering because everything comes at a cost. When you're in-house, it's or when I was in-house at TTI, things were quite different because I was part of the CX team, customer experience team, and we own the whole Salesforce stack. So I myself was the product owner for Marketing Cloud. We had a product owner for Sales Cloud. We had another one for Service Cloud, one for Communities, and also one for the development team as well. So it was a full in-house team, which was awesome. So you actually got to take the time and put in the effort to actually gather the requirements properly, do everything in the right way without rushing. So you wouldn't miss out on things. So you had the time to write your user stories. You had the time to find your requirements. You had the time to actually start to do your plan, not the whole, uh, what do we want in the first 30 days, but we got to do the whole 30, 60, 90 day plan, but also start to think about where do we want to be in six months? Where do we want to be in one year, two years, three years, and start to work towards that, which was quite awesome. 
Yeah, nice. I think it sounds like the right role can give you that exposure. And and it seems like you went in at the right time where there was a lot to be done. Because obviously, in some environments, if you go in and a lot of that work's already been done, it's not going to give you the challenge, perhaps, that you were seeking at that that level. Yeah, and I think it was it was pretty much the perfect time to come in because when I was going through the interview process, a lot of when we're talking during the interviews, it was going to be more of a strategy role versus technical role, but ended up being more technical at the start versus strategy, and then a lot more strategy later on down the track. But with TCI, the way the company works is it's split up into two kind of businesses. So you have industrial and consumer. So TCI is obviously for anyone who's not. Sure, it's they own a bunch of power tool brands. So they own Ryobi, AEG, Milwaukee, and Vax. So Ryobi, AEG, and Vax are part of consumer, and then Milwaukee's part of industrial. So you got to work with two completely different teams. And that was an awesome experience because both teams think quite differently and their marketing approaches are quite different. So certain things that would work with one team may not work in the industry with the other team. So it was really good because you always got a lot of variety and quite a different experience as well working with both sets of teams. Nice. So you, you mentioned you had to do a rebuild. And my next question is around how do you set up a project and an environment for success? So obviously something had gone wrong in the, in the instance there because you needed to rebuild something. But just more broadly speaking, not necessarily just about that environment, but what you've seen over the years where companies get it right and companies get it wrong. What are some of the issues that you see with when, when someone's starting a, a marketing cloud project that can lead to a poor result? And then what are some of the factors that you see and, and you recommend to, to ensure you get a successful delivery at the end? Yeah, sure. So the reason why we did the rebuild firstly at TCI was they, their instance had been built probably three and a half years ago since I started. So the way it worked, it was a lot to do with lists and those kind of things. So probably weren't using the best practices. And in order for us to fix a lot of that, which was there was millions and millions of contacts in Marketing Cloud that weren't being utilized. So the cost was quite high. The better option was to do a rebuild, but also re-architect it so we got the best out of the system. Now, in terms of the kind of the things that I've seen where Marketing Cloud implementations have failed is being a lack of time when it comes to doing your requirements gathering. So companies will come in and do lowball pitches in terms of statements of work for the implementation and won't do workshops properly with their clients. They won't get to understand the business. So what is the business trying to achieve? What are their short-term goals? What are their long-term goals? But also, what's their customer base like? Because how you communicate with, say, uh, customers that are part of a sports company, like, say, an AFL club, is going to be very different to how you're going to communicate someone who's part of a retail business like a Meyer or a David Jones. So that's really important. The next thing that I found a lot of companies haven't been doing is, is that single customer view. So your data. Your data is what powers and drives your marketing cloud instance. So it's really important. You're First of all, you're getting your right data in. You're not just bringing in data that's just going to sit there. And also making sure you're bringing the relevant data. So for example, if you're a fintech company, there's no point in you bringing in credit card details, right? Because other than maybe an expiry date, so then you can send an email when it gets to a certain point, but there's no point in bringing in your, someone's credit card number and those kind of things because it's quite sensitive information as well. So you've got to be careful how you're doing that. I think that's really important as well. So just making sure your data is correct, but also creating that single customer view. So you have that one point 
in the system that you can go and go, well, this is a whole list of our customers. This is all of their attributes that we have or all their fields that we can use. And then coming up with a strategy where you're going to be utilizing that. But also applying that crawl, walk, run, sprint kind of approach too. So that's really important because that will obviously form your personalization strategy as well long term. So I think they're probably the two biggest fails that I've seen when it comes to marketing cloud instances. Oh, and the third one, sorry, is a custom preference center. Where if anyone is doing a marketing cloud implementation, you need to have a custom preference center because the current marketing cloud one or profile center is really ugly. You don't want that. <laughs> it looks really dodgy from a customer point of view. So always try to make sure that you spend the time and the money to design something that represents your brand, but also allows your customers to have a good experience because sometimes a customer may decide to downsubscribe versus unsubscribing. So giving customers that option of, you know, you can get a communication once a week or once a fortnight or something like that, but also giving them the opportunity to subscribe to specific material versus all material. That's really important too. Yeah, that makes um, a lot of sense. And I've seen that more often now, like you get the, because it used to be just unsubscribe, right? But now you get to kind of, um, it shows that they they care about what they're sending you, I guess, more than they used to. Yeah, yeah. And I think like, obviously with COVID, because a lot of things went a lot more digital, they probably found that they had uns high unsubscribe rates because they were probably just flooding their customers going, hey, here's an email every day, every day, every day. <laughs> and it yeah. just probably got too much. So they're probably, yeah, they're the main things that I find when it comes to failed implementations. Uh, when it comes to great implementations, there's certain things that I've seen that work really well. So taking that time during the analysis and the scoping component of the project. So making sure you're doing all your workshops with the correct stakeholders. So as I said previously, understanding the business, understanding the business customers, and then understanding what the business goals and objectives are, short-term, long-term. So then that way, when you present your project to them, you can present it in phases. So it gives customers that option of, well, maybe we just want to implement it and we'll do everything ourselves. Or alternatively, you've given us a roadmap and we'd like to continue to work with you moving forward. And that helps create that bond and relationship as well. So that's quite important. Making sure also what you're building for the customer is also relevant. So there's no point, for example, if you have a welcome journey, there's no point in doing a one-step welcome journey because you're not going to achieve much out of it other than just saying, hey, thanks. When you think about welcome journeys, what it should be is, is thanking a customer for signing up. That's your first point of contact. And also telling the customer a bit about your business because I may have signed up to a new business, but I don't know much about it. So if you send me some information about the business, then I become more invested into your company as well. A second contact email can be about the services you offer as a business and additional features. So you may have a community on Facebook. You may have your own Instagram community like that. And then also as your third contact point, I always kind of recommend this is driving your customers to their preference center. So allowing your customers to, all, to be able to interact with you, but also tell you what kind of communications that they want to receive because what that will do is it will reduce people who are going to unsubscribe from your mail, from your emails and your SMSs and your mobile push messages, but also allows customers a power where they're like, you know what, you're not like that crazy ex who just keeps hounding me. So <laughs> I think that's really good too. And then, yeah, all, thinking about 
what systems you get because a lot of companies they may go oh oh my god cdp it's amazing but do we have a use for it but because they got a mad deal they end up buying it but they don't use it so really thinking the technologies that you get as part of the marketing cloud stack that could really help you and probably the most important thing is the people so I think from a business point of view, you really need to have a product owner who will own Marketing Cloud and then who actually understands how it works and isn't afraid to get their hands dirty. So jumping in there, doing some changes, creating some automations or journeys, that's really important to have from the client side. But then from the consulting side or the business side, when you're coming in to implement that, you need to have the right people. So what I normally recommend is, and obviously it depends on the size of the project. So if you are doing a simple marketing cloud stand-up, you can probably get away with having like one of those unicorn consultants. So someone who's a technical architect slash solution architect who can do development, but also can do strategy and kind of drive that marketing cloud implementation with you. So that's probably good if you're a small company. If you're a big company, say, say we just pick a random company like David Jones, for example, you're going to have a lot of different business units. There's going to be a lot of stakeholders involved. So you want to make sure you you have the right people coming in to consult for you. So you definitely want to have a technical architect or a solution architect. They will make sure that the right solution gets documented and then implemented for you. You want to have a business analyst because let's be honest, a technical architect or solution architect is not going to want to sit there writing stories that their whole life. They, they love Their passion is solutions. So a business analyst is highly recommended because they'll be able to come in, get help, facilitate all those workshops, cover all those requirements, and then translate that into either user stories or functional documents or requirements documents. So that's really important too. I think also someone who is kind of like a hybrid role of a strategist slash project manager is quite important too, because they will be able to drive the project and also advise on strategy throughout the whole project. So if, when it comes to your implementation, when it comes to your journeys, your communications with your customers, also any kind of communications that you're doing as well, that's that's really important too. And then uh, obviously your developers. So making sure you have the right developers who are available to do that kind of work. And what I found works quite well is on projects where you have, say, a senior developer, and then you can have a couple of juniors under them as well. So that works quite well because what that does is, as a business who selling their services, you save money, but also as a company who's buying those services, you're also saving money because you're not having to pay as much for resources. Sure. So just on, on the subject of, of roles, you know, we see a whole range of different roles across the ecosystem. And, and I, I find that there's an expectation quite often that even a functional marketing cloud person can write AMP script and, you know, can be technical. And it seems like everything is kind of blended together. Whereas in, in the core world, you've got, you know, a functional consultant and a developer and they're quite different. And then you have in marketing cloud, you have like campaign managers and you know, journey builders and, and all of these different roles. So, you know, if you are building an internal team, once the platform's live and, you, you know, you, obviously there's going to be enhancements and there's going to be added work that needs to come in. But if a, if a company has never hired a marketing cloud person before and they need their first one, like what, what's the difference between someone that is a campaign manager and a journey builder and a developer? And, and like, what, what do they actually need? Yeah, sure. So when people talk about a campaign manager, I see that as someone who's, more of an email specialist. So someone who kind of creates a lot of the emails for the communications, but also is able to work with your data. So 
They can do your basic SQL functions. They can create your simple filter data extensions. So that's how I, I look at a campaign manager. But then it depends on the size of the business, right, Ben? Because if I'm a small business, I probably don't have that kind of money to spend on the overhead. So what I might try to do is I might try to get someone at a mid-level person who can do development, who can build emails, who can do solutions, because that would probably serve my purpose better. Whereas in, say, I'm a big company like McDonald's, there's probably no point in me hiring a solution architect, but they just build emails all day because they're just going to resign on me, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think it depends on the size of the business. So if, I'm, if I've got a small business, then I'd probably look at more of a specialized role of someone who is more of a consultant. So someone who can kind of do a bit of everything. So they can do development, they can build journeys, they can do automations, because that way I get more bang for my buck. If I'm a bigger company and I've got all this money lying around or I have money to invest, I'd probably split down the roles into into different roles. So what I'd probably have is a business analyst that sits in the team. So they would do a lot of the requirements gathering. Then I would probably have someone kind of like that campaign manager role that we, we talked about. So more of a CRM analyst maybe or a functional analyst. So someone who will be able to play with the data, manipulate the data, but also create your more simple emails and probably do some simple automations or journeys. Then I would, what I'd try to have is like a senior person, like a senior consultant who is more of a developer slash solution architect. So they'll be able to do all your complex queries, all your complex automations and complex journeys as well. And obviously, yeah, a product owner. <laughs> you have to have a product owner who will own it, own the platform, look after it, keep on enhancing and building on that. That's really important too. And in your experience, and you've been a product owner, but is there a, a background that kind of aligns well to that marketing car product owner role? Like, do they come from marketing? Do they, are they technical? Like, what, what skill? And I guess it, it diff, like everyone's different, right? So, but in an ideal world, what, do they, what kind of boxes do they need to be able to tick? I think you can come from either side of the fence. So you can be like a marketing manager or you can be like a ex-dev or development manager and you can learn quite quickly the other side. So obviously, for someone from a full technical background, it will be a bit harder to learn the marketing side because there's so much different ways of doing marketing. But I think for a marketing person coming across and taking over as a product owner, it's just understanding the system and how you can use the system to reach your goals and objectives. So, but I have seen a lot of transitions where, you know, marketing managers are being product owners or someone technical has been product owners. And it just depends on the individual. It's all about just wanting to learn, wanting to grow and understanding what you're working with. Ultimately, Marketing Cloud is a tool to reach your goals and objectives or means to an end. So it's just knowing how to utilize that properly and making the most of it as well. Yeah, that makes sense. And what about partners then? Are they all created equal? Because I, I see that some are more kind of, you would call them more agency focused, I guess, like that kind of marketing agency. And then you've got the implementation partners. But does everyone do the same thing? Or do, do some of them specialize in just the execution of journeys and the strategy piece? And then, you know, the big end of town might just do the big um, heavy lifting implementations? Or is everyone kind of competing in the same pool? Yeah, so I think um, that's a really great question because I think with the implementation partners, and there are a lot of them out there at the moment, you kind of look at them in different areas. So you do have your your big consulting houses and they're probably, they're the ones that are coming in, they're doing those big implementations or alternatively, they're seconding resources to you as a company. So 
you can do those implementations or those transformations. Then what you've probably got is, is your middle-sized companies. So there are a few amazing companies out there like Blended Digital and Bauerhouse Digital as well. From what I've seen in the market for many years now, they're doing some amazing work. So the way they work, and this is my understanding of how they work, is they run the consultant model. So a lot of their resources or team members, they're unicorns. So they're kind of, they're your solution architect, technical architect, they're your developer, they're your business analyst, they're your project manager as well. So they do that kind of a model. So they can have someone come in and kind of do that full implementation for you. Alternatively, they can assist your team in doing journeys or automations, depending on what you need long-term or short-term as well. And then you've probably got your more, your small, your more startup kind of tech companies, and they probably will do marketing cloud implementations, more of your simple ones, but they probably specialize more in doing, yeah, doing like creating your email templates or managing social studio for you or doing your journeys, those kind of things. But I think if you pick the right implementation partner, they should be able to upskill and train you to make sure that your team is able to do that. Plus, you save a lot of money with an in-house team versus constantly spending on consulting fees. Yeah, I can imagine like a lot of companies go down the consulting route purely and then maybe don't get that advice and then they end up tied to a consultancy for like the long term and that, you know, all of the IP sits with the consulting practice. So, yeah, I think it's advisable if, if you've got the budget and you can build that internal capability just to keep that consistency and, and you know, have some of that knowledge in-house. Yeah, and I think it's really important regardless of who you go with when it comes to an implementation or a transformation, you get a lot of that documentation of what they've done for you, but also a lot of training as well. But the other thing is, is when I, I, I touched on this previously, is that if you have a single customer view and if it's done right, a lot of things should be quite easy within Marketing Cloud. Now, we're not talking about like complex SQL queries or complex journeys, but it, you'll have all that data available and under your fingertips. So you'll be able to do a lot with it. So making sure that you have that, because there's no, say, you do an implementation, all they do is they synchronize. Sorry, I'm going to be like really geeky and go a bit technical, but if they just synchronize all their objects from Salesforce to you and then just leave it at that, you can't use that data. You can't use those data extensions. You need to do queries. You need to create all this more additional work. So you're more at a disadvantage if you do that kind of an implementation that way versus someone who actually take that time, create all that single customer view, that master database for you, and make your life a lot easier. And when, when you say complex journeys, like um, without obviously being too specific, what is a complex journey? Like what, get, what what's an example of something that would be deemed complex? Yeah, so with Marketing Cloud, there's a lot of awesome features within Journey Builder. So you can do things like engagement split. So what that does is it measures, does someone open an email? Does someone click a specific part in an email? You can do decision splits. So that is based on data. As well, So you can go, okay, during the journey, you'll get to a fork in the road. And depending on the data you have as part of your record, you will go down a different path. So you can really customize the experience for each individual, which is amazing. But then there's also a lot of additional features you can do. So Marketing Cloud has this thing called Einstein. So what it does is uses machine learning. So you can set it up so you will send emails or SMSs at the optimum time. So for example, if I receive four emails, open one up at 9 a.m. and then one at 4 p.m., 5 p.m. and 4.30. 
Marketing Cloud might then start to only send me emails around 4.30 because that's when I'm quite engaged. But when I think about a simple journey, it's pretty much like a one to two touch kind of journey. So an email, we wait like a week and then we send another email. So to me, that's quite simple. When we go more complex, that's when you have multiple paths in your journey. So if a customer is a male, they go down this path. If they're a female, they go down this path. Then what, what's their age? Do they fall in the zero to 18 category, the 19 to 30 category? Then they go down a different path. And then you start to have quite complex journeys there as well. But what I also recommend is sometimes it's better to have multiple journeys set up for a specific goal because if one of your journeys breaks, it pretty much affects everyone. So sometimes it's nice to split them up because you can end up having this Frankenstein that will run the journey will, you'll have to scroll through like 50 pages of the journey, which you don't want to be doing. So there's no point in having like a welcome journey combined with your birthday journey, with an anniversary journey, with a first sale journey. I've seen that kind of crazy stuff before. Separate them out because you're able to maintain it a lot easier. You're able to enhance it a lot easier as well in the future. And you kind of have that separation so you can really make the most of it and not get confused and then have the wrong stuff going on everywhere. So it's really important, I find. Yeah, that makes sense. And and you've um, you've been in the ecosystem for a while now, and I've seen it go absolutely gangbusters. The marketing cloud market more so than probably some of the other core um, clouds and core kind of platforms. So, how much busier is the market now compared to when you first got in, and why is it so busy right now? Yeah, well, when I first started, Ben, like I'd never heard of marketing cloud in my life, <laughs> and there was probably only a few companies doing marketing cloud back then other than your big consulting firms it was pretty much a few small agencies and what i think has happened is because of covid a lot of businesses have previously kind of relied on their brick and mortar approach and what's happened is because we all got locked up for two years you couldn't go out the smarter companies they pivoted quite quickly and go okay well we need to be doing digital marketing what's the best platform we we can be using and kind of when you look on the market, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure your top two kind of platforms or say your top three would be Salesforce Marketing Cloud, Adobe, and I think Cheetah or Braze. It's kind of a, a top, let's just say top two is Marketing Cloud and Adobe. And then you have a few in the next tier. So a lot of companies were looking at that or they previously already had the platform. So then they went about trying to enhance it. So obviously with COVID, yeah, you were able to communicate to your customers a lot more, but also Marketing teams were more empowered to do different strategies where previously they probably weren't allowed to. It was always about, hey, we need to drive customers into our brick and mortar businesses. But with COVID and shutdown, you couldn't do that. So they got to do a lot of new marketing strategies and also kind of approaches. So that kind of helped. But I think also now you have previously, it was only big companies, you kind of got marketing cloud. With, I think, what Salesforce is really smart about is the way they advertise Marketing Cloud, but also their pricing models. So the pricing models drop quite a lot for the cost of the platform, licensing, those kind of things. So it allows your small businesses and your medium-sized businesses to get into the market a lot more and also have a lot more power. So I know there's some small businesses that probably use MailChimp because they just want to send an email. But what happens when you want to start kind of creating that that custom experience for people. What you pay for MailChimp, you can probably pay, I don't know, I'm just going to put a finger in there, maybe five to 10 grand more, and you may be able to get your a marketing cloud instance. 
and that gives you a lot more power and what you can do with it. But um, I think it's I think it's amazing like how much the market's grown, how much more people have come into the market as well because it shows you how much money Salesforce is willing to invest in their platform, but also about businesses and what it means to them to be able to communicate with their customers and communicate with their customers in the right format as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think you're right. More people have come into the market, but we need more because it's it's very difficult to fill a marketing cloud role. You know, I think there are there are more roles than people and, and probably that's going to continue with the continued investment in the platform from all of these companies, big and small now. So yeah, hopefully people listening to this will think about a career in marketing cloud if they're not already in this space. And if anyone wants to reach out and pick your brains and hear about you know how you would recommend getting into the market or tips and things like that, where's the best place to contact you? Yeah, you'll be able to contact me through my LinkedIn. So just search my name, Eugene Nebrak, or alternatively, you can send me an email. My email address is eugenebrak at gmail.com. I'm more than happy to give any advice that you're looking for, or even if you need some advice generally about your marketing cloud instance and what you're trying to do as well. Yeah, I'm more than happy to help. But I think also, yeah, for the people who are, are interested in marketing cloud or anything like that, Salesforce do this thing called Trailhead. So what it is, is gamified learning. So you can go in and start to kind of get your fundamentals around marketing cloud and around Salesforce core and communities. And that could give you a, a nice starting point as well, where you can go and apply for those junior roles or get that feel of what the platform's like, but also the things it can do. Yeah, nice. Well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed the chat and I'm sure our listeners will too. So thank you, Eugene. Thank you very much, Ben. I really appreciate it. And thank you for anybody who listened to this podcast as well. Much appreciated. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talent Hub Talk. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you could subscribe and also leave a short review. Um, we're keen for this podcast to reach as many people in the Salesforce ecosystem as possible, and your reviews will help us. Do-